everyone, and welcome to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to a chapter-by-chapter review of Stephen King's The Stand. Need an affordable source for Stephen King books, movies, collectibles, and more? Make sure to visit Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Listeners of this podcast can use the coupon code THECIRCLE for 20% off their order at any time, and there's always free shipping to the United States. That's Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Welcome back, everybody. As always, I'm Sarah, and thank you for joining me this week as we continue our journey through the stand. To recap, last week in Chapter 38, we got brief glimpses into the lives of 10 people who had survived the super flu but were killed by other means. A heart attack, a couple of accidents, a drug overdose. King estimated a 16% decrease in the surviving population of the United States due to non-related flu deaths. This week in Chapter 39, we are back in Phoenix with Lloyd Henry. If you guys remember, we last saw Lloyd in Chapter 32, and he was essentially the last surviving inmate of the prison that he's been held in awaiting his trial for his role in the tri-state killing spree that he and Polk had gone on, and I think it was Chapter 9. He is absolutely now the last surviving inmate of this prison, and he's lost his mind a little. He's stuck between humming Camptown races and sobbing, sometimes sobbing while he's humming. And he still has the cut leg that he had pried loose from his bunk in Chapter 32, and he's trying to get a hold of Trask, Trask being the dead man in the cell beside his. Rather, he's trying to get a hold of Trask's leg, and he's not doing so well. It describes Lloyd as, Lloyd looked like a man who had embarked upon a radical crash diet. His prison coverall hung on his body like a limp sail. The last meal served in the holding cell block had been lunch eight days ago. Lloyd's skin was stretched tightly across his face, lining every curve and angle of the skull beneath. His eyes were bright and glittering. His lips had drawn back from his teeth. He had an oddly piebald look because his hair had begun to fall out in clumps. He looked crazy. Lloyd is essentially starving. Quote, once upon a time, he had thought he had known what real hunger was. That hunger had been nothing but a slight edge to the appetite when compared with this. And the rat that he caught in Chapter 32, the rat that he had caught and killed with the caught leg, it's gone because Lloyd ate it. He attempted to eat the tail, but it was too tough. The water in the toilet bowl is nearly gone despite his efforts to conserve it. The cell was filled with the reek of urine. He had been peeing out into the corridor so as not to contaminate his water supply. He had not, and this was understandable enough considering the radically reduced conditions of his diet, had to move his bowels. He had eaten the food he had squirreled away too fast. He knew that now. But see, Lloyd does not want to eat Trask. He had eaten a live cockroach, which hadn't tasted that bad and had been much tastier than the rat. But he didn't really want to eat Trask. He just wants Trask within reaching distance. Just in case, like the rat, just in case. He knew a man could go a long time without food, as long as he had water. But even that was nearly gone. And Lloyd keeps thinking about his dead rat. Um, In the last chapter, we saw Lloyd, uh, he had a a rabbit when he was younger um, that he promised to take care of and then promptly forgot about. And the rabbit starved to death. So now, of course, he is comparing his own predicament to the pet that he had accidentally killed years ago as a boy. 
Lloyd doesn't want to starve like that rabbit, and he doesn't want to die. You see, he is too full of hate to die, and his hate has coalesced around a simple, imaginistic concept, the key. See, okay, Lloyd is convinced that this is one of my favorite parts. He's convinced that small shit was the worst he would have done without Poke. Poke is the real bad guy here. Lloyd might be a bad guy, sure, but he wasn't really a bad guy. He did have to share some of the blame, however, with gorgeous George in Vegas, who they murdered, the family who owned the White Continental that he and Polk had driven around in. Lloyd supposed he deserved to take the fall and do a little bit of time, maybe 20 years for his part, but he did not think he deserved the electric chair. That's just crazy. But the point is, it didn't matter because they had the key. In the last three days, Lloyd had vaguely begun to grasp the symbolic, talismanic power of the key. The key was your reward for playing by the rules. If you didn't, they could lock you up. It was no different than the go-to-jail card in Monopoly. Do not pass, go. Do not collect $200. And with the key went certain prerogatives. They could take away 10 years of your life, or 20, or 40. They could hire people like Mathers to beat on you. They could even take away your life in the electric chair. But having the key didn't give them the right to go away and leave you locked up to starve. It didn't give them the right to force you into eating a dead rat and to try to eat the dry ticking of your mattress. It didn't give them the right to leave you in a spot where you might just have to eat the man in the next cell to stay alive. If you can get a hold of him, that is, doodah, doodah. There were certain things you just couldn't do to people. Having the key only took you so far and no farther. They had left him here to die a horrible death when they could have let him out. He wasn't a mad dog killer who was going to waste the first person he saw in spite of what the papers had said. Small shit was the worst he had ever gotten into before meeting Polk. So he hated, and the hate commanded him to live, or at least to try. This is what Lloyd thinks for a while anyway, because it felt useless to hate and feel that determination to live because all of those who had the key were dead. They had also come to the superflu, so they were beyond his reach of revenge. As soon as Lloyd got hungrier and hungrier, however, he began to realize that no, the holders of the key wouldn't die from the superflu. It would kill the losers like Lloyd. It wouldn't kill the governor or the warden. It wouldn't kill the police or the sheriffs or the FBI. The flu wouldn't touch anyone who had the key. Lloyd is finally able to get a hold of Trask's leg, and he pulls the leg close, caressing it. He assures Trask that it's nothing personal. He's not going to eat him, not unless he has to. He was not even aware that he was salivating. So around dusk, Lloyd is sure that he's dreaming because he hears a sound in the distance of the prison, a clash of metal on metal. Lloyd is so often somewhere between the sleeping and waking states that he's not sure that it's not in his head. At least, he's not sure until he hears a voice, a male voice floating down the corridors of the administration wing. And it's a man calling and asking if anybody is home. Oddly enough, Lloyd's first instinctive thought here is, don't answer. Maybe he'll go away. Lloyd, you should have trusted those instincts. <laughs> the man calls again, going once, going twice. He's about to leave, shaking the dust of Phoenix off his boots. 
and this seems to break Lloyd's paralysis. He jumps from his cot and begins to scream for the man not to go. The voice is getting closer now. Someone sounds so hungry. Lloyd is beside himself with relief. He was saved, but it wasn't joy that he felt in his heart. It was fear, a growing dread that he should have stayed silent. But no, what could possibly be worse than starvation? That thought makes him think of Trask, who's still on the ground with teeth marks now in his leg, where Lloyd had taken a bite. Revulsion, horror, and guilt plague Lloyd, and he runs over to push Trask's leg back into his own cell, pulling the man's pant leg down to cover up what Lloyd had done to it. The door to the cell block opens. The electric motor whirs into action, which is interesting, given that there's no more electricity. And now, as the footsteps get closer and closer, this is Lloyd's first glimpse of Randall Flagg. He dropped his gaze to the floor outside, and what he saw was a pair of dusty cowboy boots with pointed toes and run-down heels, and his first thought was that Poke had had a pair like that. The boots stopped in front of his cell. His gaze rose slowly, taking in the faded jeans snug down over the boots, the leather belt with the brass buckle, various astrological signs inside a pair of concentric circles, the jeans jacket and a button pin to each of the breast pockets, a smiley smile face on one, a dead pig and the words, how's your pork, on the other. At the same instant Lloyd's eyes reluctantly reached Randall Flagg's darkly flushed face, Flagg screamed, boo! The single sound floated down the dead cell block and then rushed back. Lloyd shrieked, stumbled over his own feet, fell down, and began to cry. Flag, of course, begins to comfort Lloyd, assuring him that it's all right. It's going to be all right. Lloyd asks him if he can help get Lloyd out. He doesn't want to die like his rabbit. This was all Poke's fault, after all. Flag asks Lloyd how long he's been locked up, and why isn't he dead already? Lloyd explains that he knew this was coming. He had saved up his food. Flag asks about Trask, asks Lloyd if he'd had a piece of that fine fellow in the next cell. Lloyd denies this, of course. Flag knows about the rat, too, but Lloyd can only cover his face with his hands. He coaxes Lloyd's name out of him and asks Lloyd to look at him. Lloyd refuses. When Flag asks why, Lloyd replies, Because I don't think you're real. And if you are real, mister, you're, if you're real, you're the devil. Flag insists that Lloyd look at him. And when Lloyd finally does, he sees Flag is holding a dark black stone. There's a red flaw in the center of it, and to Lloyd, it looks like a terrible eye, a bloody and half-open eye. Then Flag turns it slightly, and the red flaw then looks like a key. It shifts between an eye and the key with every movement of Flag's fingers. Flag tells Lloyd that he looks like a man who would appreciate the value of a good key, because a key is for opening doors. And is there anything more important in life than opening doors? Lloyd is not really able to focus very well because he's so hungry. Then Flag begins to talk about the last meal he ate, roast beef on Vienna bread with spicy brown mustard. Of course, this is torture to Lloyd, as you can imagine. And of course, Flag seems to realize this. And he tells Lloyd that he'll get him out of that cell and they'll go get something to eat. Quote, Lloyd was too stunned to even nod. 
He had decided that the man with the key was indeed a devil, or even more likely a mirage, and the mirage would stand outside his cell until Lloyd finally dropped dead, talking happily about God and Jesus and golden spicy brown mustard as he made the strange black stone appear and disappear. But now the compassion on the man's face seemed real enough, and he sounded genuinely disgusted with himself. The black stone disappeared into his clenched fist again. And when the fist opened, Lloyd's wandering eyes beheld a flat silver key with an ornate grip lying on the stranger's palm. Oh, it's just like magic, isn't it? (laughs) Lloyd is stunned. Somehow he knows that despite the fact that these cell block um, lockboxes have no key holders, they don't take keys, this key is going to work. But just as Flag slides the key into the door... He stops and smiles at Lloyd, who is now sure that this was all just a trick. Flag introduces himself, and he tells Lloyd that before he releases him and they go to dinner, they need to have an understanding. You see, Flag is going to make Lloyd his right-hand man. When he opens the door, he'll slide that key into Lloyd's hand. The keys to the kingdom... Lloyd is frightened again because Flag is, you know, little more at this point than a dark shape in front of him, but his eyes are glowing brightly. Lloyd also feels a sort of religious ecstasy. He feels a pleasure at being chosen. Flag knows Lloyd would like to get even with the people who put him there. Not just those people, but people like them. The one who thinks that they're better than Lloyd. The one who thinks Lloyd is garbage. As he speaks, Lloyd's hunger shifts into a different kind of hunger, a need for vengeance. Flag continues, you know what the Bible says about people like that? It says the exalted shall be abased, and the mighty shall be brought low, and the stiff-necked shall be broken. And you know what it says about people like you, Lloyd? It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall seek God. Lloyd is, of course, nodding. And for a moment, it seemed like a blazing corona had formed around Flag's head, so bright that it would turn Lloyd's eyes to cinders if he looked at it too long. But then it's gone if it had ever been there in the first place. See, Flag doesn't think that Lloyd is very bright, and Flag would be right about that. But he does think that Lloyd will be loyal, which he is also right about. And with he and Lloyd together, they will go far. But they have so much to do. And it's such a good time for people like them. All he needs is Lloyd's word. His word that they'll stick together. No denials, no falling asleep on guard duty. Because there will be others soon. And some of them are already heading west. Flag will give Lloyd the key if Lloyd gives Flag his promise. Lloyd does just that. He tells Flag, I promise. The words seem to hang in the air, vibrating strangely. He listened to that vibration, his head cocked to one side, and he could almost see those two words, glowing as darkly as the aurora borealis reflected in a dead man's eye. That's good enough for Flag. The tumblers in the lockbox move, and the lockbox falls at Flag's feet, with tendrils of smoke seeping from it. Lloyd is free. Flag slips something into his hand. The key. It's Lloyd's now. The key changes in Lloyd's hand, becoming that black stone again, with the red flaw in the center. When he turns it this way and that, it looks like a key, then a skull, and then like a bloody, half-closed eye again. 
but it's Lloyd's now. Flag suggests that they go find something to eat. And it says, They walked towards the stairs together, past the dead men in their cells. When Lloyd stumbled in weakness, Flag seized his arm above the elbow and bore him up. Lloyd turned and looked into that grinning face with something more than gratitude. He looked at Flag with something like love. Okay, so Lloyd is now free, but not before resorting to a little bit of cannibalism. When we see him again, he's lost a significant amount of weight, and he's also losing his mind. Lloyd tells himself that he doesn't want to eat Trask, and maybe he doesn't, but we know that he will. What other options does he have? He already ate his rat and a cockroach. And so you guys now know that cockroaches taste better than rats. Lloyd's mind is fixated on the symbolism of the key, how those in authority have this key, how they can use the key to mess with Lloyd's life, even take it, lock him up and leave him in a cage to starve to death. Along with fear and hunger, Lloyd begins to hate. He hates the people with the key because he doesn't deserve to be there. He would have only committed small crimes without Poke. It was all Poke's fault. And Lloyd finally reaches the point of desperation where he does eat human flesh. Thankfully, the king spares us from a grisly detailed account of it, but we're aware that it happened. And this is when Flag finally shows up. Now, did it just take Flag this long to reach Phoenix and fo- find Lloyd? Because I tend to think that Flag was waiting biding his time for Lloyd to reach this point. He was waiting for Lloyd to take that first bite of Trask because Lloyd has hit rock bottom. And that's exactly where Flagg wanted to find him because Lloyd would absolutely agree to whatever Flagg asked of him at that point. He would look at Flagg as his savior, despite the fear and dread of knowing deep down what Flagg probably was. If not the devil, then a devil. But that doesn't matter because Flag has the key to get Lloyd out. He talks about roast beef and spicy brown mustard just to twist the knife in a little more. Because you know what? When I'm hungry during the day, <laughs> just thinking about food is torture for me. So I can only imagine how far gone Lloyd was, basically starving for practically over a week. Flag can give Lloyd his freedom and plenty of food. All he wants from Lloyd in return is his promise that Lloyd will be loyal. He will never fail in his duty to Flag, because there will be other people like them, and Flag needs a right-hand man. Lloyd, of course, promises, and Flag lets him out before handing him the black stone with the red flaw, the key, and then a skull, and the bloody half-opened eye. The promise and this black stone binds Lloyd to Flag. Lloyd does not seem afraid anymore, He looks at Flag with something akin to love, and his loyalty to the man who saved his life, who chose him, is cemented. I like the symbolism of the key. The key locked Lloyd in a cage where he stayed starving while everyone else succumbed to the flu. Lloyd hates everyone who had the key, who thought they could mess with his life just like that, just because they were in charge. But then Flag shows up and he has a key except this key will open the door and give Lloyd his freedom. Was there anything more important than doors opening? Because it's not just the key to let Lloyd out of his cell, but Flag is opening more doors for Lloyd by handing him this key. He is becoming Flag's right-hand man, and Flag is giving him the keys to the kingdom. 
Flag's kingdom. We know from Flag that others are heading west now to join them, and Lloyd will be there by his side. Lloyd is not a psychopath. He was not bright, no, but he's the perfect person for Flag to manipulate and seize. Lloyd was always a follower. We saw that from his chapter with Polk. He will go with whoever can lead him, and Flag can absolutely lead him. I also loved that the black stone had that red flaw, turning into things that Lloyd craved the most, freedom. The skull could have, of course, uh, symbolized revenge, vengeance against the people who um, had the key and put him in that cell. And then the bloody half-opened eye. Is this Flag's eye watching Lloyd? It reminds me a lot of the Eye of Sauron from the Lord of the Rings, always watching. Knowing King considered the stand to be a modernized version of the Lord of the Rings set in the United States, that particular black stone with the eye could be very deliberate in his nod to Lord of the Rings. Or maybe I'm just reading way too deeply into this. (laughs) So Flag now has his first real follower in Lloyd Henry. They'll stay west because others are coming to join them. Who else will show up? Maybe another character or two that we've met already? What about Nick Andros from Shoyo, Arkansas? He will have his chance to devote himself to Flag next week in Chapter 40. But we will also finally get a glimpse at Flag's counterpart, Mother Abigail. It only took 40 chapters, you guys. <laughs> and we only have a couple more chapters of Book 1, Captain Trips for the Stand, before we're going to start Book 2. Book two is the longest book of the entire novel, Um, but that's where things really start to happen, which is so strange to say as we're almost 40 chapters into this novel, (laughs) but I'm enjoying it. I hope that you guys are enjoying it, and that's all I have for this week's episode. Um, Thank you guys for listening, and if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, you can leave me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or any platform where you listen to The Circle Opens. The Circle Opens is also now available on iHeartRadio. If you guys like that app better and you want to listen to me there, um, it's now, uh, all the episodes are now streaming. If you would like to send me an email or a comment, you can reach me at thecirclecloses at gmail.com or you can find me on social media at The Circle Opens. Um, thank you to everybody who has so far e- emailed me, um, whether just a comment about, about the podcast or to chat a little bit about your theories. I've always, I love getting these emails. Um, I know I'm very terrible at responding super quickly and I apologize for that. <laughs> Sometimes when I put something to the side to handle a little bit later, if I'm busy, I just then forget about it until something reminds me. And I will blame that on my mom brain, which I have had for 10 years, and I don't have any semblance of memory anymore. So (laughs) with that being said, everybody, M-O-O-N, that spells. See you next week.